0: You're listening to the Creative Habits Podcast, exploring the boundaries of creativity with artists from around the globe. And now, your host, Wyatt Christman. This is Wyatt, real quick listen to the end. I got a surprise for you. Enjoy the show. I've got Sarah Bach on, and after working in arts related retail and nonprofits for 15 years, uh, Sarah is now working full time as a potter. Uh, she's featured in the handmade section on Amazon and finished a show, um, the 27th annual Best of the Northwest Arts and Fine Arts Show in Seattle, and uh, has an upcoming show, Seattle Sampling Event, from December 4th and to the 6th. So, Sarah, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Wyatt. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and so tell us a little bit about your journey. I know um, the, the handmade section—that's just amazing. How did that happen for you? What, uh, what you know? What was the lineup for that?
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it actually started quite a while ago, um, almost two years to be exact. I, um, we were at a friend's Thanksgiving, and I met um, a friend of a friend who works for Amazon, and she was at the time working in the new business section, and when she found out that I was an artist, she was kind of, you know, picking my brain about whether or not I did online sales. And, and I'm, I at the time was on Etsy. I still actually am on Etsy as well, but um, you know, she, she set up a meeting with me a few months later. And um, since then, the relationship has grown. And, um, and then in April of last year, I was contacted by their team to see if I would be interested in being part of the launch and, and being, potentially a a featured artist for Amazon handmade when it launched. So that was kind of the the short version of how I got started with them. Um, And it's, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Their team has been really great to work with.
0: Yeah. And you, uh, you you were, uh, you have a video, a whole video and everything on there. Did you, you worked with them to get that uh, production done then?
1: I did. Yes, they yeah. actually um, they con- they contacted me. I think I believe it was last April, and asked if they could come out to my studio and do a photo and a video shoot. And um, they gave me, I think, a week or two to prepare, which was great. gave me time to kind of clean up my studio. and And, and at first, I, I kind of laughed. I was like, "Really? I mean, I love my studio space. It's in my home. It's in my basement, but it's you know, it's it's small, and I have to be efficient and and I was like, have you, have you been in my, in my studio? <laughs> it's, it's not very fancy. And they were like, you know what? That's okay. We just want to see your workspace. We want to see how you work. So they brought a team out of, um, I don't know, I think it was six or seven people. And they came out for two hours and they did a photo shoot and a video shoot at the same time. And um, from from that, they you know they took shots that they used. In launch um, I had a piece that was on on the banner the day that Amazon handmade launched and they took the video shoot which they had then edited um, to give you the clip that you saw on the website
0: oh nice nice so yeah so you've been pretty happy w- uh, with your experience with the uh, handmade category Manager. what have I been have. The, yeah what have been the benefits from from doing that that you've kind of experienced so far
1: well, I, I mean, I have to say that my sales have been really pretty good. I've been very lucky. I mean, I, I do think that part of the um, being part of the the launch had helped that a lot. Um, but I, I would say that so far, that's been the greatest benefit. Is is I've been having some really good, consistent sales through their website.
0: Yeah, nice. So, would you recommend it to others? To to do
1: you know i would say it's worth trying out especially now while they have the 40 dollar per month fee waived until next um august uh i didn't find that it was that hard to set up my shop um so i I would i would recommend it my experience has been positive you know I, i can only really speak for myself i haven't talked to a whole lot of other people who who are selling on there at the moment um but I've been I've been really happy with my experience.
0: Nice, nice. So, yeah. Beyond that, you've got your your website, of course, and um, has that been working out well for you? Having a, an artist website and having all that set up, have you?
1: It, you know, it has. I've had the website. I think maybe three years, and I, um, I you know, I put off doing it for a long time, <laughs> and I was so happy once I finally sat down and did it you know, I think it gives people who may not be, um, interested or comfortable with giving you their contact information. It does give them a place to go to see where you're going to be next. Um, I like having that buffer, you know, for people to contact me through my website. Um, I think it's a, a way to showcase new products. I have a blog on there that, 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 does not probably get used as much as it should, but, but I like having that platform too, to, you know, to be able to, to let people hear my own voice in writing too.
0: Right. Nice. So you, you recommend, uh, that as well, having the website up and
1: I would, I would, I think that, um, I think that, you know, as a maker, people, they want to know your story and, it's hard sometimes to find that information. And I think sometimes as artists, we have a hard time putting ourselves out there, but I think that it really does help people understand who you are and where you're coming from and why you do what you do. You know, having a platform to really be able to go in depth and tell them about yourself
0: right connect a bit with your story which i uh it's interesting to go to take a step back now to uh, some of your beginnings one of the uh first assignments you had from one of your apprenticeships in wisconsin was to make uh you know 100 cups and and one of the things you mentioned is it gave you you know muscle memory that a potter needs to grow in order to make other forms can you speak a little more to that uh experience for you and how that how that helped you
1: I can. Um, in the summers when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to work, um, at Eccles Pottery, which is a studio in, in Bayfield, Wisconsin, which is in Northern Wisconsin, um, on Lake Superior. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, and at the time they would have one to three apprentices every summer. Um, they had two, three full-time potters and one part-time potter working there. And it was a family run business. And the, the first summer I was there, I'd, I'd only thrown, you know, a couple of pots in high school. And I was lucky enough to land this, this apprenticeship and with, without experience, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, but Bob, who, who is no longer with us, he was the owner or he at the time, the founder of the shop. He said to me, he said, your first assignment is to make 100 mugs, mugs with handles. I will go through and approve them. You know, if they're not up to snuff, you, you don't get to keep them. Um, and he's like, it might take you all summer, but this is what, this is what you're going to need before you can make any other shapes. No bowls, no jars, nothing until you make these 100 mugs. And at first, I was really daunted. I, I just was not sure how I was going to do this. I mean, for somebody who'd only thrown maybe three or four pieces in you know my entire lifetime, it seemed like a big, a tall order. And it did. It took me all summer to make those mugs. But, you know, that's what I needed. I needed that. I needed to be... And, you know, you, I probably ended up making 150, 200 mugs in order to get 100 that were decent. Um, but it really... Gave me a lot of practice in pulling handles and trimming, and and it it helped my throwing skills tremendously. And I actually recently in the summer had a friend do a um, hundred mug challenge, and the challenge was to do a hundred mugs in a week. And in a
0: week, nice. Yes,
1: and um, and which was you know again daunting. And, but I I managed to get them all thrown, trimmed, and the handles on in about eight days. So I was I was pretty happy with that. So so yeah, yeah it's it's funny how that kind of came full circle recently. That the hundred mugs that
0: the hundred mug challenge. Yeah, you'll yeah. have to have to make it regular things. You yeah, get, we talked get about more it. people. Nice. Yeah, we talked nice. about. It. I
1: think it's I think it's a fun thing. I mean, I don't know for potters who make mugs. Let's. It's one of the things that um sells the most consistently. Um, and I think mugs are very personal to people. I, you know, I kind of always joke with my customers, you have to try on your mug. You have to see how the handle feels and um, see how it feels in your hands because, I, I don't know, I do. I find mugs to be a very personal thing for people.
0: Right, right. How does that, I've, yeah, it, it's interesting how that uh, the, the muscle memory part of it works. And do you think that whole idea translates well to other mediums? that challenge, you know, the, and the whole uh, rigorous uh, part of that, that'll, that'll really make you, you know, grow exponentially as an artist.
1: I I really do. I think that um, I can definitely see that, you know, in printmaking it's kind of the same sort of thing. They make multiples of things just, you know, and they improve upon them as they make them. I can see that being, you know, a challenge for painters too. I actually have a friend who he, one of the things that he does is he paints a picture every day. And that's, that's his challenge is to do a picture a day, you know, um, a small watercolor or something, maybe a little bit more, um, more challenging, but I can see how that would translate very well over into other mediums. I mean, I think that the more you do something, the more you improve on the craft part of it. And while being a talented artist is one thing being able to really do your craft in order to be a talented artist is, is a pretty important aspect I think as well.
0: Right. Iteration just, you know, really getting in there. Yeah. So one of the things you've spoken to uh, already is the, the uh, effective story, people being able to connect with you, you know, to your story on your website and also in events, you know, you you say they need to, you know, take handle the mug and, and get hold of it. Um, and you do a lot of events right you I've seen from your website that you do quite quite a few do you yeah. uh, do you find it because now that you're on you know Amazon in the handmade section and and uh, you're on Etsy do you find it hard to, to get that experience translated from the physical world into the digital you know uh, the two being able to meld the two kind of effectively or
1: yeah, that is a very, very good question. I, you know, that was something that I was—that was a concern for me when I first started um, selling online, and I have been surprised at how open people are to take the leap without having, without picking up something and physically handling it to take the leap to like purchase it and try it out. And and you know, knock on wood, I have in the entire I guess three years I've been selling on online. I've only ever had one piece returned and that was somebody who exchanged it for something else. Um, because she felt like she, I think she had a butter dish. She ordered a second butter dish and then she decided to keep the one that she already had and returned the one that she purchased for me. But I, I, I'm, I'm continually surprised and amazed by people who, who are comfortable taking that leap without feeling what it, you know, what something feels like. I think right. It's pretty cool, actually, the trust that they put into the artisan.
0: Yes, well, you've yeah. you've got some powerful imagery as well, and your descriptions. I love your descriptions of the pottery itself. Can you delve a little bit into what inspires you as an artist? And already, I, I know you've 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 written a bit about the nature aspect of things and your yeah. use of of different uh, stamps to uh, reflect that in your pottery. But can you yeah. describe a little bit of how that works for you?
1: Yeah, I um. I, I like to spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, I'm an avid hiker, uh, not as much right now as, as I'd like to be, but um, you know, I try to go outdoors. And I've always loved plants and flowers, and um, flowers especially in patterns. So, so I am. I'm really inspired by nature, and I'm inspired by the outdoors. And I try to keep a you know a sketch pad with me, not all the time, but a lot of times, so that. If I see something that I want to remember, I can either, you know, do a quick sketch of it or, um, or sometimes I'll take a photograph to bring back, you know, into the studio with me to kind of translate over. I'm also really inspired by Japanese woodcut prints. Um, I always just have found them to be really beautiful in their simplicity. Um, and then there's a phrase, a shaker phrase that I came across a few years ago. And it really just seemed to like sum up everything that I thought about what, what I like as a maker is, um, it's don't make something unless it is both necessary and useful. But if it is both necessary and useful, don't hesitate to make it beautiful, which I don't know, to me, that is a really powerful statement because I think that we all have things in our life that that we use every day. And I really feel like they should be things that you, that you enjoy and that you know, that bring you maybe a simple pleasure that you might be missing out on.
0: Right. And so instead, you know, you're the mug instead of just drinking your tea, having it, a you know, experience where you're going to sit down and, and really just drink your tea or your coffee. And it might as well be a mug you really, really want to, to have and use rather than pouring it in and just gulping it down. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, and I think that, I mean, we live in such a fast paced, world now, and especially, at a, I'm, I don't know, I can't really speak for other parts of the country as well as I can for Seattle. It's so tech heavy here that I think that just taking that five minutes in the morning and pulling out your favorite bowl for your cereal or your favorite mug for your coffee and just taking that five minutes and connecting with something that's handmade can really help slow down the hecticness of your day. Yeah
0: yeah definitely i I can definitely see that now in the beginning you know you have uh, done a lot um you know in arts related retail and nonprofits at least you describe that as part of your early experience um, yeah. and then it became a full time potter now what what experience kind of made you feel like that was possible um, that you could go from from that? retail experience in the nonprofit and just make that leap? What Maybe. really gave you the gumption to do that?
1: <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of a funny story, actually. So I so I had worked in um, arts, arts retail for a, a while, while, while while I lived in Chicago. And then for the last 10 years before I made the leap to become a potter, I worked for the Glass Art Society, which is um, kind of the glass version of Inseca. They do a big conference every year. And I'd been with them full-time until I had my kids and then part-time for the last, like, five five to six years that I worked with the organization. And I was also trying to make pots, and I finally had felt like I was at a place as a potter where things were clicking. Like, I was really feeling happy about the work I was making. I felt like... Um, like I was starting to come up with a, a line that was cohesive and that I was comfortable with, and um, and actually the catalyst which which started this journey was an argument with my husband. Believe it or not, he just um, he saw me being stretched so thin. You know, working part time, we had two small children at the time. I was managing all of the households you know, um, issues that would come up. And I was trying to make pots and sell them at a couple of, you know, art fairs during the year. And he finally, he just saw that I was spread thin. And he said to me, you know, he's like, this, this can't go on. Like we are, this doesn't, this is not working for our family. He's like, you need to choose. He's like, I would suggest you either go back to work full time for gas. Cause he knew I, I, I did I loved working for the organization and I loved my coworkers and, and all of the people involved um, in that organization, he's like, or you need to go spend some time in your studio. You know, that's been your dream for how, how many years? And you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the time where we make the sacrifice and you put your job and you focus on making your artwork and we see where it goes. We see where it takes you. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, well, if you're going to give me that choice, yeah, I'm going to go with the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're willing to, you know, I mean make that sacrifice with me, let's do it. And uh you know, at the time my part-time salary was contributing to the household, you know, not as much as, you know, his full-time salary, but it, it still was contributing. So we did have to adjust some things and and make some changes for the first couple of years until my income was a little bit, you know, closer to making up for what I had lost by quitting my job. But, um, but I feel like it's it's you know coming around pretty well. I mean, granted, nice. there's been, you know, there have been some some setbacks, and um, but, you know, it's, there's always something. Uh, but overall, it's really been the best choice that we could have made for our family.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, having someone believe in you that much and, um, you know, support you that way as you journey into something that really you don't know if it's going to work or not. um, You're taking, you know, 100%, uh, you know, belief in yourself and saying, okay, I'm going to go for it. But what, you know, when he said that and he, he said, okay, go for it, what kind of habits did you have to incorporate? To make sure that that all came about and cohesively worked from a form of expression that you had before in your habits to something that could translate into, you know, retail and being able to, yeah. to sell and show your stuff.
1: It, um, well, you know, I really had to start looking at it as a, a job, so to speak. I um, I had to dedicate time. And that can be hard sometimes, you know, to to make sure that you make the time to force yourself to go into the studio and work. Um, I, I think I had the advantage that while I was working part-time for the Glass Heart Society, I, I was doing some of that work from home. So I kind of had an idea of what it was like to work from home. But I really had to just dedicate time and and you know be able to walk through the door after I take my kids to school and look in the kitchen. And if there are dirty dishes, be able to walk right by them. Just ignore them while I go down and work in my studio because if I get distracted, then the work isn't going to get done. So I think that's that's the hardest thing is to, you know, you have to be kind of disciplined about making sure you stay focused.
0: I I think that's interesting. The the let the dirty dishes go so you can stay focused. That is a hard one.
1: It is know. a hard one. Yeah. It seems
0: it seems simple, but it's it is. You get just easily distracted, right? So, uh, and and your experience of that also because you're forcing yourself—well, not forcing, but you're keeping, ah. you're staying focused, and but that can be sometimes a deterrent from the creative aspects of your mind because you're forcing it into particular parameters for which it needs to work. And sometimes there's a label around creativity to, if it's too constrained, you won't be creative. But what have you found during that process that was the opposite of that? And how did that actually help you be creative?
1: Well, I, um, I, you know, I found that, just forcing myself to go sit in the studio, even if I'm not feeling necessarily creative is a good thing. It's just a good thing to be comfortable in the space and to be comfortable around your settings and in your tools and, and being able to walk away from it too. If you're not necessarily feeling the creative juices, um,
0: What did you like? What, so, uh, let me guess. Uh, I, I'm just envisioning you're sitting down. because I've had the experience, you sit down and go, "Oh boy, what am I, I gonna don't do know." Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I, what do you? How do you find that you refresh from that? What? What do you do to refresh?
1: I, you know, I pull out my sketchbook. I think that that's um, that's kind of a way to jot down ideas and you know, take a moment away from actually making things, um, and just start and thinking about ideas. Cause I think it's, it, you know, you can get stale if you're not continually trying to come up with something new to work on. And, um, another thing that I do to kind of help keep momentum in the studio is sometimes I'll, I'll sit down and I'll spend like 20 minutes, sketching out a schedule for myself for the next couple of weeks so that, so that I have a goal, you know, like say, you know, I want to fire up this kiln in two weeks. So that means, okay, then I need to throw this many pieces this day and I'll spend this day painting um, and trimming and putting on handles and um, writing out a schedule. I know it sounds kind of um, uh, narrow, but it really does help me kind of keep on track and keep thinking about what I'm doing so that when I sit down, I'm not like, okay, I've got like 20 lumps of clay here that I've wedged up. Now what am I going to do with them? So yeah, I I know it's, it seems kind of funny, but running up the schedule really kind of helps me with that creative process in a, in a weird sort of way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then do you, uh, do you find yourself uh, moments? Do you, do you do things just, uh, Silly things that are just for yourself, where just you know, uh, yeah. you, you're, <laughs> you're able to create something that you're never gonna, you know, nobody is, you're not gonna sell or whatever, but you just want to create it. Yep. What What's something fun that you've created uh, that that uh, just kind of for yourself for in, in clay and for, for pottery that you would want to share anyway?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. No. Um. Well, you know, it's really funny because I actually made plates for our family recently, which we did not have handmade plates for, and I've been saying for years that I was going to make us some dishes and, and I don't normally make, I don't make plates necessarily to sell. I also wanted to try them out and see, you know, how sturdy they were and how the glaze handled, you know, the everyday wear and tear. And, and, and that was really fun for me. And I, I made these plates and I, put quotes on them from chefs that I admire and they're, they're totally different from the work that I normally do. And it was the best project. I was so excited about them because it was for me, like, I, like normally the stuff that we have in our house are kind of the seconds, you know, like the, the mug that might have a little ice crack on the bottom or the, the lid that has a chip because it was glazed to the, to the bottom of the jar. So so sitting down and making those plates just for our family and doing a completely different style than I normally would do was so fun.
0: Sounds like something to incorporate regularly, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you yeah. know, that's kind of the challenge that I'm finding myself in right now is I'm making I, – I love the work that I'm making, and I'm really enjoying making it. But I also – need to make time to just experiment and i find that um january is is so far kind of a slower month after the holidays and and that's the month that i'm really trying to dedicate to making things that i don't make the rest of the year um trying out new forms trying out you know new techniques new glazes um new patterns the patterns that i've been sketching all year long at various places you know transforming them, you know, to put onto the pots. Right.
0: Do you, uh, what, what do you, do do you have a process by which you test new pieces? Like, uh, do you have a, you know, um, sort of group that you kind of show things to, to see if it will pass, you know, a a test of some sort, or is there any sort of testing process for for new pieces? You decide, okay, well maybe this will be something I'll put up, uh, you know, on Etsy or uh, on Amazon. What, uh, how do you go about that?
1: Well, I you know I do um, this one neighborhood art fair every year, the Wedgwood Art Festival, and I've um, actually helped with the planning process for that festival every year for ten years. And so it's in my neighborhood. It's you know a lot of people that I know attend it. So that's the place where I'll put out the new designs and I'll put out the new pieces because I know I'm going to get honest feedback from my customers there because many of them have been my customers for seven, eight, nine, ten years. And they, you know, I know them now and they're going to be, they're going to be honest and they'll say, you know, and actually there was this one, this one kid came once and he was looking at, and I usually make these little bowls where I test out, you know, like the new painting patterns and, and he had one that he's like, you know, I really like this one, this new, this, and it was a kind of a different technique I was using that I'd never done before. And he's like, but I don't think it's it. I don't think this is the one that's – I don't think this is a technique that you should be doing anymore. And, and I loved it because here was this, like, nine-year-old kid giving me his brutally honest feedback that I needed to hear it, you know. And that's that was kind of a, a fun thing.
0: Yeah, that is good. That's good. It's, it's hard to find people yeah. that will give you the, the real – feedback, you know, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's good having that loop. Um, well, great. I, I wonder if, you know, for those that are, you know, in their various processes, maybe just starting and uh, wanting to make that leap or, or maybe veterans, wh- whoever you'd, you'd like to speak to, um, wh- what kind of advice would you give uh, to, to, you know, to those uh, starting out um, their their process or in
1: their journey? Yeah, I would say don't be afraid to fail. Because, you will fail. I mean, there are going to be times where, um, things are not going to turn out the way that you want them to, but don't let that get you down, you know, keep trying and, and and go for it. And I, you know, and I think for years, I really wanted to take the leap to really focus on my passion. And, you know, financially, that's not always an option for people, but don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to apply to your first art fair or your first, you know, exhibition. Um, you you will get rejected trust me you're 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 gonna have those rejections too but you can't learn without those failures so so don't be afraid to fail that would nice. be my advice
0: yeah good one yeah and iterate do that challenge right Yep. 100, exactly. 100 go for a bunch and just you know keep keep uh you know creating so yep. uh, okay so where can people find you if they want to know more
1: they can find me at um sarahbachpottery.com um I also have a Facebook page, Sarah Bakari, Pottery, and um, Instagram. So those are probably the best places to find me.
0: And Amazon and Etsy and, and Amazon, <laughs> hey, and you're Etsy. you're out there, which is yeah. great. Nice. I am right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, th- thanks a lot, Sarah. It's great to have you on the show. I appreciate you taking a moment to do that, and congratulations on getting uh, you know featured in the handmade section on Amazon. That's that's great.
1: Thank you so much, Wyatt. I've really enjoyed our conversation today.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the end. So the creative matrix, this is the surprise. Um, I finally put the finishing touches on what I'm calling the creative matrix. And basically, it's uh, three critical tools that famous and not so famous have used throughout time to ensure good ideas don't get lost or go to waste. So it's basically a structure. It's three tools. And sign up now. Uh, it's it's free and I've got uh, three different – it's a series basically and three different emails will come to you with a link to each. Um, the first part of this is called the CSI board. So check it out. Uh, go to the go to creativehabitspodcast.com and then look for – in the navigation it's called Creative Matrix. Hope you enjoy it and see you in the next episode.